Hey there, Alexander Wales. This is Eniosh, and people are going to be upset that you're not the actual Alexander Wales when they hear me say that. Yeah, it was between this and Janet, and your notes already had Janet, so what can I do? Oh, you could have gone with Janet. Yeah, my hands were tied. Sometimes the, uh, the, fair the joke has to be, or the name has to be a joke for you, too, you know? So what is the thing with the Alexander Wales? Well, I would... I'll try to explain it, but honestly, it's it's a level of comprehension that is just beyond your qualia. <laughs> okay, I, I cannot understand it within my context. Exactly. I, I, okay, I'm fine. coming to you from this this kind of interstice between our contexts, and it's the best I can explain. Well, I'm glad you at least made this avatar that uh, I can talk to. Me too. Cool. Well, what is it that we are doing with these talking avatar things here on this place? Well, usually we start talking about Alexander Wales up cereal worth the candle, but I don't know if I could uh, divulge or, 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 divulge your attention for a second to what do you call it when you're like you know like a, a justice boner when like somebody gets pulled over in traffic and that that deserved oh, it. Um, I don't know. Well, did I have a there's that justice boner subreddit? Right? So that is a thing. I'm trying to think of the equivalent for that when you're like, oh look, culture war stuff. That, I think that's just also a justice boner. I don't know. A social justice boner. There we go. There we go. But there's no justice here. It's just uh, it's just a similar oh, no. kind of like stupid itch, right? Anyway, this isn't interesting enough. It was just relevant because it was on my mind in the last few minutes. So okay. I vote we chop all of that. And that goes to, <laughs> you know, five minutes Patrons of patron only? nonsense. That sounds good to me. All right. And that part, the part about chopping, it stays in. Ah, then, so the people who aren't patrons will will know that they're missing out on something really juicy. That's right. Yeah. Ah, okay. Press them on the matter of financial assistance. Um. <laughs> so what? Right. So what are we here for, Stephen? What are we really doing here? Well, yeah. Inyash, I'm glad you asked. We are talking about Alexander Wales' web serial. Not everything is a clue. We're also talking about Juniper Smith's book, Worth the Candle. <laughs> awesome. Is it, I? Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess. That sort of works out. What's kind of funny is I accidentally kind of butchered that, but it yeah. worked both ways. So let's. Uh, well, I mean, because yeah, his web serial was also worth the candle. It's our podcast. That's not everything is a clue. That's right. Yeah. We're off to a strong start. You know what? This is not an indication of how the rest of the show is going to go because we always kind of stumble a few times when we're trying to get this going, right? Yeah, that's that's the best warm up. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the show. We warm up on the show. Hell yeah! You're welcome, audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, worth the Candle, the one that exists in our reality, can be purchased at Amazon, at various other booksellers. Uh, we have links in our show notes. There's an audiobook available. Do go get that if you'd like. Uh, I'm sure Alexander Wills would appreciate it. Uh, you can also support him directly at his Patreon. Again, link in the show notes. You can also support us directly so we can fuel our gold magics. Uh, there is a link to our Patreon as well, and we do kick back 15% to Alexander Wales as well. Um, by the time this comes out, it should still be the last day of July. So it's not quite the last month we'll be doing this, but there are very, very few episodes left. So, uh, you do not have much more chance to support us. If you just want to throw us a couple dollars right at the end here, we would appreciate that greatly. And then you can cancel again. I don't know if we're going to keep going. We'll probably put the show on hiatus for at least a few months, a couple months, and then reassess what we're doing. I don't know. There'll probably be a bonus episode or two. Keep the feed live. Yeah. But, uh. I did want to say, I finally, uh, Sonoy, one of our Discorders, was nice enough to reach out and finally try and get the, uh, whatever, the the shake off the bystander effect to people, whatever, you, you know, the, the inactivity of people who are like, oh, I don't want to be the first one to ask for a book. Um, mm -hmm. And turns out that 
uh, Amazon will let you buy and send somebody the book, but then when they go to open it, if they're not in the right country, it doesn't work. So, oh um, my god, Alexander still got his nickels, I think, for the purchase, which is fine. So, <laughs> but Sinoy did not get a copy of the book. I'm afraid not. But there are, oh, there are nine left. So, fucking DRM. That's really funny, though. I mean, it was a drag, but you know, it was really just like, what are you? Are you hearing music all of a sudden? Yes, I didn't press anything. Oh. I apparently accidentally clicked the button. All right, ah. that was kind of cool. I wonder if that was a clue. Uh, probably a clue that we don't know what the hell we're doing. So exactly. Um, anyway, yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad someone at least finally took advantage of you. Yes, me too. Uh, in every possible misinterpretation of that phrasing. So absolutely. All right. All right. Now to the things that we start do before we start the show proper. Uh, I you always send me your notes and I usually try to read them before the show, but I don't always get to them. Uh, sometimes I am just too busy for all that reading because I have a bunch of other reading and you know how it is. Anyways, uh, there were a few things from your notes last week that you did not paste into the outline that we consult as we go through this. And I thought that was, you know, a great oversight on your part. And I am correcting this oversight by pulling them out right now so we can uh briefly discuss just a couple things from last reading if you do not mind too much no not at all i, I recognized especially the second one that you pulled out here because i remembered thinking about it and i was like ah, i haven't organized these thoughts properly and i'll do it later and then it was actually going to work great for this episode too so it'll tie in nicely um mm. but uh the you know it's funny it's like i finished this week's reading sometime last week and i don't think i sent you the notes till yesterday mm. because the google doc that google play books or whatever syncs to um only stores nine hundred. Only stores nine hundred and ninety nine notes. So I needed to go through and manually delete them one by one, <laughs> so I could clear oh, up shit. enough space for the other ones to sync up. Like they, let me save them, but it wouldn't sync to the dock. So oh man, it was, okay. It's just and it's like re- it's ridiculously slow because there's I don't know hundreds of pages of notes. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so this was oh yeah, this was this- yeah when Arthur left. Yeah, when he was leaving and uh, June is just kind of silently crying a bit and he thinks all that for just this. And I had kind of a depressing take on that because I am a depressed person. But you had a really cool take and you didn't mention it last time. And I want you to say what you said in your notes here. I see. Okay, because I remember we talked about this and I was going to bring that up because I listened to the episode and uh, it felt kind of like we were having difficulty uh, parsing where each other was at. But uh, so this was this was nice. I this is my take on it was it said all that for just this. I think it's again how you say just this, but um, I had said all what for just or all what just for what all the hell literal and figurative mysteries, magic, etc. Just to get a little while with Arthur seems fair to me. Uh, and then you had a heart emoji, heart and emoji. that was yeah the most awesome most awesome way to put it that I could think. I was like holy shit, yeah. Sometimes it is worth. A lot just for those few more moments, you know, worth the candle, one might say. Yeah. Uh, so I think my, my take on it that I'm able to kind of, you know, look at this with a clearer head than last week was, uh, you know, the I think the just this might have been like this semi anticlimactic moment. You know, they didn't like kill the DM together. You know, they didn't whatever ascend to godhood. It's just like, no, he's going to just take this elevator back to Earth. Like it. It feels like like kind of a loss, right? Yeah. But it but it really wasn't. I think that that's that's my take on it. Um, so I think when he says for just all that for just this, like all of that, man, all that was huge. You know, he <laughs> yeah went to hell. He went to the library. He 
laughed, he loved, he cried. You know, it's it's a uh, it was a whole thing. So it was awesome, and we got to experience it with him too. It was great. Mm. Uh, the second thing I pulled out was uh, a thing that Arthur had said. Yeah, he was saying that even the good memories of Arab are tainted by how staged everything was. The triumphs were pre-written. The love, the companionship, if any of it ever felt earned, it doesn't now. And time has passed, more than more time than a human can stomach, meaning that it all washed away anyhow. Arab was a cage, and this is my escape. I don't think I can express how intolerable it all is and how much I need a way how much I need a way out. Um, yeah. And your notes said you have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, you put a few notes to, to yourself that I didn't understand, and I we never talked about what all your thoughts on this was, so I thought maybe you'd want to hit those thoughts. I think I was capturing some of the stuff he says before this, because the notes to self says, living vicariously through fiction, meaning in not real stuff, predestinations, connection, or lack thereof to meaning, etc. Um, you know, a lot of this, I think, will be tied into the discussion with the DM, but uh, I, honestly, I think it ties in perfectly with all that, because it is... It it comes up when they're talking about, you know, were June's feelings real, et cetera, right? Okay, um, so we can put it off until we get to that. Yeah, but it, it it it's the kind of thing that came up because this was the same thing Arthur struggled with. That was, I think it's worth the, the tie-in there for sure. Okay, cool. And I put this in here. Do you remember who it was on Discord like two or three weeks ago that said that thing about Arthur not starting with a HUD and June having one? Uh... Don't remember who it was. You mean you don't remember every comment that we've read on the air in the last two months? Come on, man. I think it may have been Gadby B because it sounds like a Gadby B kind of thing. But I mean, he wasn't the only one along that train of thought. So could have been someone else. Well, whoever said that uh, high five, because that's the word of word of the DM. What why there was a a game overlay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is awesome. So they were spot on. I just needed to give them the high five for it. Mad props. Oh, yeah. Apparently, Stephen, was there any time where you cheated uh, and read ahead or got advanced knowledge of anything? Um, I'm glad you asked. I put that in a in a note here that I was surprised you didn't ask last week, but I figured you'd have asked it the last episode. So um, the honest to goodness answer. No, I did know one thing that was uh, well. So, no, I never read ahead, but I'd mentioned at some point, oh, I got to the Shia LaBeouf like whatever, before they got to uh, the speculation and scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And someone was like, oh, man, the shy fight is awesome. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, oh. But that was it. Okay. So it was that I knew that they fought him and that it was awesome or funny. I can't remember what word they used. But, uh, you know, I think I was really That's confident in that already. Yeah. Because you how were like could on they the not? shy train yeah. mm-hmm, from the very beginning. Well, this this was, I think, at the beginning, like when the shy train was still leaving the station. So, like, okay. I acted all hyped, you know, knowing that, that it was coming. But I I kept my, um, whatever, my reactions authentic, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I, I had a kind of meta question for you because this is a meta episode. Um, I don't know the thing. All right. So, I mentioned last week. And I couldn't articulate because I was struggling to complete thoughts last week that it was funny that you didn't know how the story ended when we started it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suspect the answer is no, but I was wondering if you had an extra motive when you asked if I wanted to do this project with you because you, you knew that the theme of the book was something I was currently dealing with. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I uh, when I first I think the very first time I brought it up to you was before any diagnosis, right? I think so. Because you brought it up like well before the end of We Want More. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were still working with Brian, like, I don't know, maybe halfway through that. And I was like, this is just an awesome piece of fiction. And I really t- want to talk with Steven about it. So I asked you. And then before we started, then he got the diagnosis. And I was like, oh, shit. Should we still do this? I I think it'll be okay. And especially because we were pretty hopeful at the time that it was uh it, it was going to be beat. And I don't know. So, no, I, I did not have any other motive. Well, just you've made the right call uh, historically, or what do you call it? After the fact, we could say that. Um, Like, if things ended badly, you know, I don't know. It it wouldn't have been a good book if things ended badly. Like, if they ended in a way that, like, things just went to shit with Arthur and, like, everything sucked and, you know, doom and gloom. uh, I, I don't know how we could have salvaged a good book out of that. Like, it would have had to have been some awesome catastrophe, not just a crash and burn, you know? I mean, either that or I would have been like, Stephen, maybe we shouldn't finish this book. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. No, but we're good. It was just, uh, you know, like I think I mentioned last week, you know, Fen died within two weeks of of, uh, my friend. And it's like there there were a handful of times where it's like, oh, that's oddly poignant to my real life. And uh, oh, we talked about that a lot throughout the last year year and change. So um, Mm -hmm. all right, buddy, what do we got from the audience this week? Well, from the audience, this was actually a rather long back and forth uh, that came on the Discord, and uh, I really got schooled about how much difference two and a half lifetimes makes, uh, which I guess hadn't really sunk into me before. What the hell does that um, mean? (laughs) It means that I'm two and a half times older than June is. Oh. And that time really apparently adds the fuck up, uh, because when I... strained and tried to put myself back in the shoes I was in when I was June's age. I was like, Oh yeah. 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 Okay. I'm seeing it. I'm looking Um, forward to this because I was looking at the discord and I saw this come up and I thought they were talking about something else. Um, yeah. And so like I, I, I replied twice and I was off the mark and then you, you messaged me privately. Like you're talking about the wrong thing. That's not till next week. I was like, Oh shit, never mind." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually uh, at a loss here, but it's friend of the pod LHC. Who's been around in the discord since, I mean, I think Ages. I remember seeing LHC back on Reddit for like worm stuff oh, before we had the so, discord. Yeah. Maybe. No, I, I definitely remember LHC. I think from, from the worm subreddit at some point. So high five. Okay. Nice to see you. Yeah, heck yeah. All right. Well, uh, as people probably noticed in the last two episodes, I pulled out the times when uh, June calls Arthur gross, and it really bugged me. And I kind of, in retrospect, I beat around the bush. I did not address it directly, and that probably wasn't fair of me. Uh, The reason I did that is because I really admire Alexander Wales, and I love his writing, and I didn't want to, like, feel weird things or imply things or say bad things about it. But I guess, I guess I just have to face up to the fact that, um, I have had bad experience with wokeness and, uh, it colored, it made it harder for me to read those parts. Did you just use the word colored? Sorry. Damn it. (laughs) This is relevant uh, to a blog post that you wrote about a 70 something science fiction author. Oh yeah. That was, I mean, that's a, that's a whole, Different thing. We oh, I know, but don't have time to yeah, get into all I of just it. tie into social justice stuff. Sorry. Yeah. I'll get us off that bandwagon. It's all cool. Okay. So, well, hold uh, on. so, anyway. so just, to, just to actually clarify, this wasn't when June called Arthur gross. This was when he called the suicide thing gross, right? 
It, well, it was both the suicide thing. Yeah, it was. It, this was sparked from the first one, the suicide thing. Yeah, because we had problems with both. And I think I understood the second one well enough. But this one, I actually mm-hmm. was confused about what made it gross. So I'm, I'm eager to get a better understanding. Okay. Uh, well, LHC says, I thought that the uh, our take on June's throwaway line about how it was gross to write the government covering up the long stairs as suicide was really weird and reflects a weirdness that's more generally been kind of bubbling in the background of this whole podcast. And again, yeah, I apologize about that. That's my fault for loving June and loving Alexander Wales, but every now and then just being rubbed the wrong way by by some of the more overt woke things. And we'll get as to why that is a little bit later on. Uh, LHC continues says, while I'm inclined to agree with the most object-level take that this level of censorious sensitivity about fiction is wrong and bad, treating it as incomprehensible or some peculiar quirk of June in particular seems uh, completely oblivious and out of touch. (laughs) I can relate to LHC's point there because I think she's hitting on a note that uh, I've I've mentioned, but I I don't want to like hit you with a hammer over it, but it's like, I feel Mm -hmm. like you're like you're acting like you know a, an alien who's never seen a person before and i can't remember like a specific example where i pointed this out but i'm just like i feel like it's not that inscrutable um, yeah but we all have things like that you know um it's so i i, mean, I you know it i wasn't taking it as like a deliberate uh obtuseness it was just like a, a quirk or no i think it was times where like you read um like hatred of of male sexuality into stuff um, where I wasn't uh, reading it. And I was like, I feel like yeah. you're reading your own issues into things. But A, that's part of why we read. Um, right. And that's the great thing about reading. And B, you're vindicated by by the word of God. So, Woo-hoo. yeah. I, I can't uh, complain. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason for, for why I was being that way in this particular thing is because, like, up until this point, even when I agreed with June, uh, or even when I strongly disagreed with some things that might get dropped, like, I still thought he was reasonable, you know? Like, you could still talk with him, even if you disagreed with him. And then he just made it completely clear in those in that sentence that that's no longer the case at all. That There is no ability to talk, to have a dialogue, to even necessarily stay friends. It's just like, you're gross and get out of here. And uh, I, I said that to LHC, basically, with a f- less words than that. LHC says he makes it clear that he has internalized a worldview that's afraid of the reaction his writing would get to the point of sufficiently... Un- <clears throat> uh, afraid of the reaction his writing would get to the point sufficiently unconsciously that he thinks this is his fault. I'm pretty sure you are projecting the authoritarian authoritarianism of the ideology itself onto this 17-year-old character who lives, or lived, in it and has not deconstructed it to your satisfaction. You know that whole thematic beat in Methods of Rationality about how Draco doesn't have sole responsibility for reinventing the correct morality, politics, etc. in his shitty society? That isn't just for fictional medieval-esque wizard people. It's hard to disentangle your own intellectual sense of morality from your irrational, disgust-based predictive model of the reaction things will get from your peers, authorities, the other. That's the point of that kind of totalizing authoritarian moral ideology. To lay mimetic eggs in your brain in the form of instinctive associations that various things are gross because other people think they're gross. And here's the pat explanation for why that you can repeat to spread it further. In June's milieu, this shit is fucking omnipresent. 
It's inescapable unless you batten down the hatches against the enemy memes and become a committed tribalist in the opposite direction, which is also extremely obnoxious to read and comes with a great social cost, even if you don't fully commit to it. Long story short, June's expressing the odd woke take doesn't make him woke. It just means he's run into his fair share of it before. Uh, Frankly, it would be much weirder if he hadn't. And doesn't reject it out of hand in some way, like someone who's dug their heels in and conscientiously objected to the memeplex. And like, that was where I really, I guess I really understood it. It's not that it's not that June's bad. It's just that he's 17 and he lives in a woke peer group. And so for him to have, for him to be and say the kind of things that I was hoping he would say would be extremely unrealistic unless he was like, you know, a 62 year old Voldemort transported into (laughs) 17 year old June's body. He just has not had the, the life experience and all that other stuff that comes with eventually deconstructing your views and questioning them and starting to come to your own opinions. This is how a 17 year old would act even a good 17 year old if he was raised in a more conservative milieu then he would have been doing the opposite but again with just as little thought about it and i shouldn't be such a dick bag and you know judge him for for things that a 17 year old isn't responsible for okay well as we established he's 18 he had a birthday on arab but i know <laughs> okay. i know um i do like uh bringing up the draco thing because i mean yeah it's not just for medieval wizards right like it was in that book because it was also for us Mm. right Mm -hmm. and so i i can totally get behind that um and i mean maybe i'm it's funny because i think where was it earlier in the comment it was like that our uh um whatever that we're, we're oblivious and out of touch and oh and that like it seems like motivated or something um i'll be honest i have no idea what uh june was saying when he said that the suicide thing was gross. I that was my honest read is that I don't know why he thought that was gross. I it, I'm not being deliberately obtuse because I, I I have played the deliberately obtuse person before. Um mm. it's also really fun, for example, if someone like delivers a racist joke and you don't laugh and you ask them to explain it. Um <laughs> nice. That that's a great time. But I'm not putting on a hat right now. I actually don't get why he used the word gross. I think it's because I didn't understand. I did read some more of the comments in the Discord and they were saying that uh, the implication was that every suicide was, uh, whatever, um, long stairs cover up. Not was necessarily. No. Okay. Well, like, <laughs> then I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't, I, I, I love everything that you guys, are, you know, you and LHC exchanged here. Um, but I think that, uh, I, I, I don't think that this is the best example of it. Because uh, I, I I don't think that he I don't unless unless his reaction here is something that's that's woke I it is though okay then yeah it must be but I think there's things that he's done that are like way more like broadcast their wokeness uh, more loudly but so what's going on here what what was the real thing oh well the real problem was I mean you're right this this was probably not a big example of it but the problem was that he used the word gross <laughs> which is a, a a problem for me and which is what really have made me have this very strong personal reaction both times um, because I've only ever seen that use, word used to express contempt and disgust in a way that's like both dehumanizing and absolutist because when it's used, the other parties involved 
uh, not just the person you know accused of doing the gross thing, but anyone who is in the vicinity or knows about it, they like must either immediately agree with the claims of disgust or they themselves become disgusting for not doing so. And like there isn't any ability for there to be an exchange of views. There's no discussion about whether the judgment is incorrect. Uh, it's it's just you know right now a line is drawn. Uh, is this gross or not? And you better not fucking try to say anything other than it's gross. And uh, you know, in my opinion, that's extremely gross. But <laughs> I'm not I'm not actually going to use that word. Uh, just say just one of the other like st- standards people use. You say it's a uh, not a good look or problematic. <laughs> yes. Which is my, my, I've seen people use those to do the same thing, like especially problematic or not a good look when like there isn't an articulate thing that like an an actual articulate gripe. Um, I agree. And I also dislike those terms, but neither of those terms have the just inherent disgust reaction built in with them, you know? Yeah. Creep maybe is a good word that that elicits a similar reaction from me. Um, Yep. And it, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Guy, I just, guy I went to high school with, you know, asks a girl who's four points out of his class to prom, and uh, actually, the example I'm making, I'm, I'm, I'm using here. Actually, she was super chill about it. I'm making one up. So okay. hypothetically, uh, somebody asks somebody to prom, and the, you know, she's four points hotter than he is, um, and uh, she says, "No, you creep." Like that. That is a, a like in a way that she wouldn't say to somebody who was one point hotter than she was, right? Um, right. So creep, I think, has a, a kick in the nuts feeling uh, that um, you know, like other put downs don't. Uh, yeah. Which I know it's I I'm distracting from the word the use of the word gross here, but no, uh, yeah, no. But cool. y- so you you're talking. In fact, you're both kind of talking about uh, like your wider uh, like across the story reactions to June's uh, like occasional woke leaning takes. Not this particular thing, right? Yeah, like in in general, it was fine. It was just that word. Like I, it, it was used against me personally at one point because I used to be, you know, very left social justicey myself, and I was like, oh, "That's that's not gross. That's just common sense." And uh, you know, it eventually led to uh, me losing an extremely important relationship in my life. And uh, I mean, I realized that the relationship was doomed anyway and that was just a symptom but the association uh with that word remains for me and you know give it another many handful of years and it'll fade because i guess for one of the benefits of time passing but for now it was still it was still a thing that was triggering of me as they say i was actually going to say that and you know because that's another word that people like to give a hard time but like it, it actually is a thing that you know hey i get kind of like a, you know, an amygdala, um, an amygdala response whenever that word comes up, you know, it actually startles my brain. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's, you know, that that it, it literally is one of your, your, uh, I don't know, trigger points. I was going to say berserk buttons because I like the TV trope (laughs) for that, but it's not exactly, you don't go berserk on it. Um, so no, I think that, that that's totally worth hitting home. And I will just go back and find that discussion on discord to figure out what the takeaway was for this particular the one about the suicide thing being gross because mm-hmm. I, I still don't understand why that was gross or whatever other, I, uh, whatever other word you want to use for it. it it's just a woke thing that you know this is a mental health issue and it is severely ableist to try to say 
use something in a game like, uh, well, the explanation for why nobody's noticed that all these uh, military people are dying in the long stairs is because the military uses uh, suicide as a cover-up tactic, and that's why military suicides are so high. Like, tying it into the real world, they'd be like, oh my god, you are, you're trying to use the real-life suicides of mentally ill people as a thing in your game? That's disgusting. How could you do that? Like, that sort of thing, right? Okay. Because I was going to say, like, this is the same book that contains Felseed, right? Like, <laughs> yes. but then you're right. So because it relates to a real life thing, is that what you're saying? That That's the that's the the line there, because to, 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 to relate it to a real life phenomena. And I was like, well, hold up a minute. How on earth could anyone ever pretend that was worse than Felseed? But I think you're right that it's the, that this is real. It's a people. sacred value. Well, no, but also like the the people the, the veterans who are being killed that are like being explained in this way uh are actually you know real hu- dead humans on earth on our earth right whereas yeah, felsey never actually people. hurt anybody and isn't talking about actually hurting any real people right I, sure i mean i think there's plenty of real people they don't give a damn about but you know that's neither here nor there well we have done a lot of reflecting on things <laughs> yeah it's time i think there there's always reflections at the end though right there is yes Let's go on to the reflection at the end. Chapter 246, the last official chapter. All right. Well, I uh, I was having a jolly time with it. Um, mm. The DM shows up. He wasn't wearing a shirt. I liked my cake and, di- cake and ice cream idea that I pitched <laughs> last week. It wasn't that. It was some Spice Girls reference, which is fine. But uh, he's he's got a haircut and his beard had trimmed. And I was curious, like, all right, what does this mean? And later I had the idea, uh, right before I think he even says, like, your character in a book, I, I went back to my, because I, I pitched the idea a long time ago that maybe the DM was Alexander Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I think one of the things that made that not stick in my head was because I don't picture Alexander with a beard. Right. And maybe he actually has one. And so maybe the DM's uh, whatever... Um, well, he was clean shaven at the beginning of Worth the Candle, wasn't he? I can't remember. I don't think so. But oh, I thought maybe. I thought he was, and then he grew it out during COVID or something. It, I, or I know that he... it got wild when he was in hell, which is the peak of COVID. Yeah. Um. But I guess I I'm imagining that the DM's look mirrors Alexander's. That's that's that was the little funny thing. Um, yeah. Another quick couple quick funny beats. One, he pulls out Worth the Candle, which was enormously thick, so thick that it probably should have been split into at least four or five volumes, mm-hmm. which is how many volumes it's getting. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Um, Alexander Wales, I guess no one, I'm assuming, in on Reddit or anything caught his uh, his brilliant knockloss pun. And so the DM like explains it ad nauseum to June and just like looking at him with a grin on his face. <laughs> mm. And I just had to call that out because Alexander apparently worked hard on that and wanted to make sure that people got it. So I can totally respect that. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> you will honor his wish. I will honor it. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> June's like, I thought like you hated me or something, or at least we're having a bad day. And he's like, ah, it was all part of a wonderful misdirect. See, when you died and went to the hells, I you thought I was gone, but... And he's like, I didn't really think you were gone for that long, you know, to be honest. It was obvious you're still around. And um, does the book say that I was fooled? Because that's not accurate. And then the DM just looks at him. It was a very successful ruse. He seemed quite pleased <laughs> with himself. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I'm just like, oh, great. He's delightful again. You know, it was a partially su- successful ruse and that he had convinced me that he was an asshole, but I knew he was a level- lovable scamp the whole time. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yay. I'm glad he turned out to be nice. <laughs> yeah. So you you had said the thing just a minute ago where you were like the DM. I, I had this idea earlier in the book that maybe the DM is Alexander Wales, right? And I had it, too, when I was also reading, and it kept, like, playing with my mind. But whenever I started reading it, like, I could read that into the story, but I would also start to get, like, pulled out of the story and being like, oh, God, I've read this before in several things, and it never turns out well. I hope that's not it. So I would keep, like, flinching away from it, right? And then we get this line where the DM says, I live in a far future world with nearly infinite computing power thanks to technology that's beyond your ability to understand. And I was like, oh. Oh, thank God. I, I feel so relieved that that is what happened. And it wasn't what I feared that the author was in that story. So I guess I'm a little disappointed because if anyone could pull it off, it would probably be Alexander Wales. And, and it would have been such a cool reading. But you know what? I will just I will have the thing where I can talk with other people about like this is a other cool reading that it could have been. And, and I'm kind of a little disappointed, but also relieved, relieve appointed that uh, that this it was the simulation hypothesis. We've come full circle. Inyash just did wordplay. I do wordplay sometimes. I mean, that was that was borderline punny wordplay, Inyash. Mm. I guess it wasn't really punny, was it? It was just con- connect, like kind of smashing two words together. Yeah. We'll make a punner out of you yet. Nah, I don't know if we can get that far. So, so what you're Maybe saying someday. is that... <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Another, another uh, 1.6 million words. Um, so what you're saying is that when you were reading this, you had also thought the DM was Alexander... And then when it was like, aha, I'm a far future being, you're like, oh, thank God. But yeah. kind of a little disappointed. Okay. Yeah. Um, Just a tiny bit, mostly relieved though. But that relief turned out to be false because it actually is Alexander. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, this was the, um, what I'm trying to say here. Uh, June wasn't buying that explanation. Right. And right. It, it struck out to me too when I was reading it because I especially went back and read the paragraph again when June was there's some line where he said that he wasn't thinking that that was the whole truth or something, mm-hmm. um, and so I went back and reread it and I was like, oh yeah, he talked about Juniper Smith and Arthur Bloom and like they're two random people. He said he he said there was a real Juniper Smith and a real Arthur, and I instantiated both of you from all of your leftover data online. Like the, so, the implication from that was that these were just two random kids. And so if he had said, like, right. I'm you and I was cryopreserved, that would have been much yeah. more believable. And I think June would have bought that more, too. Right. That could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, June would have believed whatever the story wanted him to believe. But the thing is, like, he would it would have been within his character, I think, more to believe the cryonics thing. Like, I'm actually you. I was working through my shit. Right. Yes. And as uh, opposed to you're right. This makes it sound like yeah, you were just two random kids that I decided to uh, to do. Yeah. What's, what's he just like, you know, this is like his thing. He he run simulations of of random sad people he finds in web archives like <laughs> yeah so i that that rose my hackles for a second of of bamboozlement but i just i loved the the intrigue as all the pieces are coming together it was you know we got the emotional ride with arthur and now we're like on the sherlock brings it all home stage yeah and it was just it was great so all right i've been driving too long Oh, no, it's it's I've, we've been equally driving. Anyways, uh, June. Yeah, like you said, June isn't buying it. June is like, you know what? This this sounds made up. And also there's a dystopia up there. If you're just allowed to randomly torture people in your society, simulate and torture how many billions of people. And uh, the DM says, look, I'll st- stipulate now that there's no escape from where you are. 
not for you or anyone you know. The context of your existence cannot be breached. You'll never see another trace of errors or limitations. You'll never have communication from anyone outside the context you exist within. That goes for whatever the truth of your situation is, whether it's a simulation or not. Does it matter whether there's a dystopia above you? And, uh, I mean, given what we learn later, that's all completely true. Uh, <laughs> is it, <June's> though? <laughs> a, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe it, it says here, like, you'll never have communication from anyone outside the context you exist in, right? But what if someone were to write a fanfic of June having, interacting with, you know, someone in our world? Does that count? I was going to bring that up. Um, I am guessing that what, and I'm going to probably just use Alexander and the DM interchangeably, just like we were never consistent on Uther and Arthur. Um, mm-hmm. I think what the DM is saying here is that, uh, yeah, I guess any fan fiction is non-canonical maybe. Okay. All right. I mean, that's, that's literally true. Yeah. Well, sometimes you can get, I don't know, like the, uh, significant digits is apparently the canonical sequel to methods of rationality. Ah, it was canonized after the fact, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like that'll ever happen here. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that depends. Yeah, as, as we approach a decade, it seems less likely that he's going to write a sequel. <laughs> or write, write yeah. that epilogue he mentioned. So it, it depends on I don't know. I think it's true for Alexander Wales at least. He will never consider that anyone else can communicate with June. Uh certainly not the June that he was writing, because that June is in his head. And so it's true enough for him whether or not it's true for us. That's actually a perfect uh um yeah, that, that does make it impossible. No one can talk with the June in his head. Yeah. So no one can talk with well, this guy. Except for him. I mean, so we, we can talk with the Junes in our heads, but we can't talk with this one. Uh, what, I mean, I, yeah, that's hard to differentiate, isn't it? Uh, no, I don't think that is that hard to differentiate. Uh, but I do think that there's a possibility Alexander Wales may be overlooking right here. It's not impossible that we will get to a transhuman future with uh, a society that just makes, you know, giant awesomely powered computers that are run on the the output of the sun and can simulate people in complete detail and make entire worlds of billions of beings and if they could do that then someone could actually do a real super fidelity simulation of that exact novel uh thousands of years from now and in which case you know june could have this actual life as an actual real person that actually went through all this and like in that case i'm wondering you think it would be good or bad that that June is created and actually lives a real life of this? <laughs> I, I'm glad that you pulled out that somebody on Discord apparently said every time that Inyash says, if it's a race, it doesn't matter or something. Take a shot mm. or play, mm. put the bingo down. Hey, you're scrolling ahead. <laughs> I, oh, I, I did that when I put my notes in earlier today. But uh, oh, okay. this is another bingo card or another bingo um, square. Square. Which okay. is like, would it then there matter if we did this? <laughs> um, or would that be good or bad if, if we... If, and so I love it. I mean, so one, I think you're right. Uh, if we got to the kind of future that the DM pretended he lived in first, and uh, he made these people real, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or the, the, you know, we made these people real in, in our future. Um, mm-hmm. Then yeah, uh, then the DM... then. The DM slash Alexander is wrong. We are literally talking with June uh, as much as anyone ever could. Uh, right. So, yes, in that in that hypothetical, uh, that disproves that that idea. Um, but the would it would it be would it be bad to do so? Was the question um, good or? I, I mean, honestly, I think it might be good because June seems happy. 
He killed a lot of people on his way here. Yeah, I suppose you'd have to like figure the net suffering versus net um, <laughs> joy. They can all just be uh, thespians. I don't know how they how to pronounce the abbreviated version of it. Uh, spians, spians, I would guess. Yeah, that's. I mean, abbreviation is only worth it if it saves you a syllable. But, but they aren't. Yeah, it's true. But they aren't um, all spians. We already know that everybody except for the people who goes into hells are real people. Oh, I know. But if the future simulation of this, uh, like the only statement people were the party members or something, then it wouldn't be a faithful simulation. No, a faithful but simulation it, but it would be a more, real be more ethical one. I'm not asking about ethical simulation. Well, yes, yes, it would be good <laughs> would, or bad. I'm saying here's a way to make it better if there weren't real dead people in it. Uh, yeah, but it was, forget about making it better. Is it good <laughs> or bad as it's written? Uh, bad. Um, because even oh. if the Hells were replaced by, or rather, if they were thespians the whole time, uh, the Thelseed domain people and you know all the other people who've been suffering forever weren't. Yeah. So it was only the Hells that were canonically replaced. Or never were. That's my take. Yeah, yeah. All right. I was also kind of, I mean, I I was, well, I guess my next question doesn't matter. I I was not sold on the idea that it was definitely bad because I thought there's there's been things on real Earth that have been this bad. And I'm not sure real Earth is net bad and shouldn't have existed. Uh, No, no. But if we were building our universe from scratch, we might have changed a few things about our reality, right? That's a good point. I'll give you a point. All right. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> universe, the universe as it is now, I think, is worth living in and has, you know, has its pros and cons, but ultimately comes out on the pros side. But if I was doing it from scratch, I could change some handful of things that would make it suck a lot less and make yeah. that, you know, that trade off not even uh, a tough problem to consider. So. But then you could never speak to this June. You could never instantiate him and make him real because that world would have not existed. I'm willing to pay that price. I live in that world now so far. So, eh, Okay, fair enough. My follow-up question would it be that like, if that universe was turned off at the end of <laughs> Worth the Candle, at the end of the last epilogue, was it still okay? But uh, I guess that's a moot question at this point. Um, I mean, yeah, so it wouldn't change. I I, I think maybe I'll, I'll come up with a coherent... Um, way to describe my thoughts on simulation stuff because you're right, like if it all turns off at the end it didn't happen right like i don't know i totally I mean, get I where you're that's... coming from and i don't know what my argument used to be but i like is a life still worth living if it ends at the end oh okay well so that's different than the universe blinking out like it like it got turned off you know no it's not it's all life stopping at the end as opposed to just one life but it's only a matter of a scale at at that point, the question is still the same. Uh, I mean, so like, you know, if if someone ever said something really nice to you that you remember from, you know, years ago, like even some stranger or something, you know, they're they're dead from your life if you never saw them again. But like what they did mattered, it made a positive impact on your life. Right. And so sure. like, I think that that matters forever going forward, because then, you know, I, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if if there's a continuation of, of goodness that can come out of something, then that something mattered, even if it's no longer around. What about the eventual heat death of the universe though? I think at some point there will be no more continuation. Yeah. I think we talked about trying to hide in our, you know, hide, hide at the end of, end of the, the scary thought and just be like, Oh, but something, something timeless, you know, <laughs> decision for D box. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of my thing. You know, it always had happened. And so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and seek solace there. But 
Um, well, if it always had happened, then it also follows that it shouldn't matter if you turn the universe off once you get to the last page of Worth the Candle. That's a good point. Yeah, this is weird. We'll, we'll solve uh, existentialism next next week. Okay, cool. Uh, the next question I had was that uh, since the DM asks him, like, look, does it even matter if there's a dystopia above you? You're never, ever going to be able to interact with the reality above your reality anyway. Uh, since we are the reality above uh, June's reality, does it matter to June that our reality is what he would consider dystopia? Like, does, is, is our world a dystopia because we're creating the simulation and we're allowing it and encouraging it on our planet? No, I mean, like, right now there's people that are having a miserable time and there's people that are dying in pain. It's kind of a dystopia uh, from June's point of view, I would think. Does that matter to him that this world exists? Uh, oh, see, I misread your, your question. And I, I was taking June saying like, no, it has to be dystopia because what you're doing is terrible. And any society that would allow that would be a dystopia. So, but you're talking about our, our world. Uh, I mean, from the context of where June lives, there's no way he can, f- you know, feed the hungry on earth. Right. Mm-hmm. So no, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, the, I, I think that there are probably, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things mathematicians and physicists tell me that is real is, uh, you know, alternate timelines, uh, multiverse, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'll take their word for it. You know, there's not a, there's not fuck all I can do to help alternate Stevens. You know, yeah. I suppose if I really cared about alternate Stevens, I'd buy a lottery ticket every day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. one of us would win, well, but I, I can't reach there. I, it's not my business, you know? <laughs> well, also the majority of you would lose. You'd, you'd net lose all the Stevens would net lose, even if one won. So, Actually, that one Steven should not play the lotto either, and there'd be more net utility by that. I don't know. I think that one Steven amongst 10 billion could do a lot more good with $330 million worth of lottery winnings than the rest of the Stevens could do with a dollar. I, I mean, I guess the that goes back the, to... Because the rest of the Stevens can't pool their money, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that goes back to torture versus dust specs, but... It does. <laughs> if you believe that, then why aren't you buying lotto tickets? I that's I guess I yeah, I guess I, I don't care about those other Stevens. It's it's not it's not my universe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then yeah. I, I guess by implication, if June shouldn't care about our world, then we shouldn't care about any higher reality either that we can't access. Which fair enough. Yeah. Like if if we learned that we lived in the Matrix and we learned that outside the Matrix sucked, but there was no way out, you're like, Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. Like I'm going to go back to work now or like whatever. Right. Yeah. There's literally nothing you can do about it. And not just like, you know, almost literally nothing like, you know, no one of us can end world hunger or something. You can actually help Mm. solve that problem. Right. Uh, In theory. Yeah. If everybody were to donate 10% to effective charities, then yeah. Well, even if, even if you're the only one, like you're actually helping somebody. Right. Sure. Yeah. In a way that at least very distinctly in a way that you're absolutely not able to help anyone on the outside of the matrix. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh man, sucks that they're suffering up there. Well, I'm going to keep watching this movie. So like, (laughs) (laughs) because there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing you can do for them. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the DM says Arthur was always questioning the nature of his reality. If I told you up front that it was all fake, I was hopeful it would take, yeah, I was hopeful it would help you to come to the conclusion that you came to that fake or not fake. It doesn't matter. I just wanted to know, do you think that this is a good lesson to learn that uh, fake or not fake, we should just accept our reality and it doesn't matter if it's fake or not? Um, I don't know if that's a lesson this book is trying to teach or not, but maybe it is. 
And I mean, maybe that's a good lesson. I think that to the extent that we have less of a reason to doubt our reality than June does, we have that much less of a reason to spend time worrying about it. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm pretty sure my, my reality is the base reality, like, or real enough. You but know? what if you were as sure that it was fake as June is sure that his reality is fake? Then I would spend, Should you just accept, eh, it's, it may be fake, but whatever. Yeah, I think so. Especially if there's literally nothing I can do about it. And, uh, you know, I would, I would spend more time worrying about it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that you should spend as much time worrying about something as, you know, some, should be somehow proportional to how likely that thing is. Why would you spend more time worrying about it if it doesn't matter? Uh, well, I might reconsider that it might actually matter if I spent more time thinking about it. But I have very little reason to think about that right now because I'm pretty sure our reality is real. Do you think June is justified in his reasoning that it doesn't matter if his reality is fake or not? It's still important? Yes, because he has put in the requisite hours uh, thinking about it. <laughs> okay. Um, I, mean, it, it, I don't have a great answer for it because this, you know, this whole, everything here gets, too, gets you know, my, my head gets uh, dizzy when it gets meta enough. And yeah. this this one's all at the top of meta. So, like, I if I come off as incoherent, that's part of the reason. Um, well, no, I think I think you've put in as many hours as June has because you've read everything that he's ever done in his existence. Oh, man, I was going to say he spent a year on air, but we spent over a year reading this book. Um, <laughs> right. OK, well, then. Well, the thing is, he's he's questioning his reality, which is, you know, weirdly different from mine. And uh, so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, again, I, I think real is doing some uh, sleight of hand there, like it real or fake, like. I, I don't actually know what those mean in the context that June is concerned about yeah. because in his, you know, context is actually a good word for it. Like Arab is as real as it, as anything else, as anything, literally as anything can be. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like it matters as much as anything possibly can. I think that's true of our world too, that it's as real as it can be. Exactly. And so it, it matters as much as it possibly can. So to the extent that anything can matter, this matters the most regardless of whether it's real or fake yeah i think so uh you know again unless there was a way to reach the higher level um and maybe bring people with us or something but i think that again i I guess i'm not sure what fake means uh like i I know what it means specifically in june's case and that he's a character in a story but like what would it mean for ours to be fake uh like the matrix as far as i'm concerned was real right like if 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 i Mm -hmm. lived in the matrix you know if i kicked somebody in the balls in the matrix it really hurt them right yeah, yeah. So you're do, you, th- th- everything you do there matters. Um, so I think that unless there's some other twist we want to put on that kind of thought experiment, then yeah, totally. Real or fake, it's all important. Cool. Um, I oh yeah, we get the the grand reveal that the DMs Alexander Wales. I think we talked about that already, but yeah. uh, I I I think I get like a quarter of a cookie for throwing the idea out there. I don't, I didn't stick to my guns at all, but. Uh, I just, I, I was happy to see that. It's like, oh, I thought of that. Um, but I, I really didn't like, I didn't, if I, if I had stuck to that the whole time, um, then I'd have felt really smart. But I, I tossed the idea out. I think when we first met the DM as like at my distant fourth guess or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know, like it could be June, Arthur, Tiff, or a random, you know, distant fourth would be, you know, uh, Alexander Wales. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I think he's still trying to explain what the nature of June's reality is to him. Yeah. And he, I mean, he basically tells him the nature of reality is incompatible with your qualia. 
And I just, I hate that word. No one should ever use that word again. It's can, it's not as bad as gross, but man, it's a stupid word. Can you can you describe your internal and subjective component of that experience? <laughs> to hell with you, Stephen. <laughs> Seriously, can't can't you just say experience or or oh, qualia? Fucking, it's just a word used intentionally to confuse things and obfuscate stuff. In my opinion, I think you might be right, but I think it is different from experience. Uh, in fact, it is. It it's is the experience of experiencing, which is like let's wank off more. <laughs> that that that's philosophy. But if if that's if yes. that's what gets your rocks off, then then that turns into a lot of fun. Um, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, so like you know, we can both have the experience of riding a roller coaster, but you and I will have each had our own experience, right? So, I swear to God, I'm going to strangle you so you no, can no. tell me what that experience is. Well, I, you know, it wouldn't be the same as me strangling you, or maybe it would be. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> There's only one way to find out: murder suicide. This, this is the last episode. Uh, yes. All right. So yes, he tells him you're a character in a novel, and at that's the point where we're like, oh no, oh no, it's true. I was wrong, and like it's it's just never done well. But again, I was thinking maybe Alexander Wales can pull it off. And I keep reading and he says, you're not real and I can't take you out of there to show you that you aren't real. It's words on a page. I realize as I am reading words on a technically on a screen that, you know, it's just it's letters on a screen. It's pixels on white. It's ah, and he says, what's real are the emotions and thoughts that those words can evoke in people and specifically that they invoked in me. And OK, sure. Yes, that that second line is really good. But but. What, what, as soon as he drops this, like it just it doesn't work for me anymore. I don't see June and the DM on a plane of white having a conversation anymore. I see some words on a screen that were thought through by Alexander Wales, and he's thinking like, how can I evoke a mental image and a feeling in my readers? I will choose these words and put them in this order. And that's, I mean, I realize that's what we do as authors, right? But like when you say that in the work, then nothing else exists even in the abstract anymore june ceases to be and the world ceases to be and it's just you're watching somebody smashing up a hamburger or whatever and i don't know i i, I it always throws me out and maybe that's just me in particular but ah uh, uh, it made me so sad to be thrown out of the story because i love this story i think i i can't think of anything i've read where the author does like an insert like this um i think i read one like two-page fan fiction of sherlock once and it actually no it was just be- where somehow i become self-aware for no reason it wasn't that good i was like this is after i read methods of rationality i was like I, w- I wonder if other fan fiction is good and i read that and i was like oh no i guess not um <laughs> okay but you know like you ever been sitting in the movie theater and then you look up and you're like oh i'm looking at light on a screen i mean even worse is when i'm thinking i'm looking at actors delivering words they've been told to say on a set i have that sometimes where i'm like oh that looks like it would have been a really fun scene to shoot <laughs> right and i'm like why and- did i have that thought now i should have that thought on the drive home like mm-hmm. but i can i can be in the movies watch a funny scene and be like oh i wonder how they did that then go right back to watching the movie and it doesn't detract from the experience that much like it, it breaks the immersion for a second um, mm-hmm. but I guess I never really quite have that level of, of immersion with books anyway, although there's a different kind, but, uh, maybe it's books hit less of my senses than movies. I, I've always felt like movies. Okay. So you can get soundtrack and sound effects in movies and those really add a cool thing and awesome. You can sometimes get awesome visuals, but like I always, books have always been the most immersive to me because 
like the outside world disappears and I just feel like I'm there living it. And, and I, maybe that's why I resent being yanked out like that and being told June's not a real person. <laughs> there was never anyone named June. There was never anyone named uh, Fen. None of this has actually happened. And that, yeah. It's funny. Cause like with, with cinema, whether it's like TV or movies, you can kind of get like this feeling that you're watching what's happening through a window. Yeah. You know, um, I guess with this, you're painting that picture in your head with reading. I mean, but uh, I guess, I don't know it for me. I don't know. This, this reveal really worked for me. I, I think I understand your apprehension with it. Um, just because I totally prepared to take it your word that this is often done, like whatever the uh, hi, I'm the author, um, <laughs> you know, sort of thing that that's often done badly. But this one worked for me, like, uh, especially the way that he, he put it, like, um, you know, what's real are the emotions and thoughts that those words can evoke in people and specifically what they evoked in me. Those are real, which were the whole point of this for me. That's yeah. that's why your story was fundamentally about reality, a story about stories and what we chose to take from fiction. Yeah. And this takes me takes us back to that uh, thing I pulled out from last week or the week before um, about the kind of things we can take from fiction. And yeah. honestly, I love the reveal. Like the this book was already meta as fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, this just adds a new layer to that story. And I mean, it's it's the natural progression that that this would be the final most meta thing at the end, and. I don't think, I mean, I think it does it as well as anything else I've seen, which is, it can be done very poorly. This is, this is done, in my opinion, well, but I don't ever, I don't ever like them. That's, that's totally fine. You know, I think everyone's got their own cup of tea. Um, like, I, I, I I'm going to just assume that it's because I haven't been, uh, whatever, burnt with a bunch of bad versions of this. And you know, like, I've read some, some boring endings to stuff. Um where it's like, oh, that's okay. So it's like, kind of like you just ran out of thought after 15 books and you just wanted to finish. Um, we all remember how great season eight of Game of Thrones was. Um, but uh, I think, go ahead. Well, I think part of it is that, so he says, what's real are the emotions and thoughts that these words evoke in people. And that is, I mean, that's the entire point of art, right? That's literally true. That's why we consume art so that we have these emotions and thoughts and when it's done well it will evoke those and that's awesome but then like you say you walk up to someone and you're like hey that's some uh that's some emotions right there right did i make you feel sad or i don't know it's just it's so crass i guess it, you don't say out loud hey this is about the emotions i invoke in you it's not like at the end of um hamilton the the Lynn Miranda turns to the audience and says, "Like, man, that's really sad, right? You're crying right now too, right?" It's it feels. I just I personally always thought that it was it was too much to do that. Uh, it, it was not doing the thing anymore. Like the the contract was, "You make me feel emotions. I live in this world with you." And then the author comments directly on them as opposed to letting me feel them and that makes the feeling of them not work anymore and uh you know that's 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 annoying to me and i guess like the thing he said is like and specifically the way uh, how the 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 thoughts and emotions that were invoked in me when he's talking about himself and that's okay i can't i can't tell alexander wales 
oh, you've written 1.6 million words for me of one of the best things I've ever read. How dare you indulge yourself now at this last moment, right? That seems like extremely churlish of me, and I shouldn't do that. But it does still feel like, hey, man, you broke the contract. That you, you can't say, like, this is all about me. Sucks to be you right now if you're reading this and not feeling it. I just... Mm, eh, but 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 then I sound like a whining asshole, and I don't want to be like that either. So I, I'm just gonna say it didn't work for me, and uh, I'm I'm glad it worked for him. I honestly am glad it worked. It worked for him, and it, that's like the next thing we can get to after I'm done complaining, which is right now the end. Zip. Well, I think that was great. I mean, I I liked you, you anticipated what I was going to say, which was that he didn't turn to the camera and say, "I bet you really liked that scene with Arthur, didn't you?" He said that it was what it evoked in me, and yeah. he's revealing to June and us that this was something he was doing partly for himself. Yeah, and so it's not—it's not like he's indulging himself in the way that, like, your hypothetical, where uh, whatever Lin Manuel Miranda turns to the audience and says, "Didn't I write a good play? Look at how sad y'all are," because um, that is—that yeah, is—that uh, is self-indulgent. In a way, like that's congratulatory. In a way that this isn't really doing. Um, yeah. So he's, you know, I. It's not quite because it's, it's not. He's not a, uh, exactly looking straight at the camera when he's doing right. when he's saying this. He's looking straight at his character. But uh, he's. Um, he, what am I trying to say? It's it's like he's not patting himself on the back. He's explaining why he did this, which is uh, it's done in a way that. He's yeah. letting us see behind the curtain, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I no no, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I I gotta say, like, one of the things about about writing is that there always is this curtain, sort of, because you're you're spinning up a fake world for people, right? And you know that and they know that, but no one ever acknowledges it. And I guess this is like just finally putting down the curtain and being completely honest, because there's that that spinning of the world, there's always a mask. There's a performance. I guess it's literally a performance. Um, so d- that was silly to say. But like, you can't ever let go of the artifice. You can't. It's like a magician not ever telling you his trick. And now he's just, you know, being like, you know what? I'm just fucking going to let down the veil and be honest. And can you really hold that against me? And I guess, I guess not. It's really got to be nice to finally be honest after after playing the part for so many words and months, I just, I don't know. I, I, sometimes it's like, you don't want to ever see your parents as human, you know? Totally. And there's, there's a reason why I don't like go online and look for the, uh, behind the scenes things from movies that I like, mm-hmm. you know, I like to let them live in the part of my head where they're real, you know, as real as I know that they aren't right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll occasionally come across stuff, but I don't seek it out because I don't I don't really want to know. It's like, have you ever been really in, enthralled by, by a magic trick and then had someone explain it? Yes. And it's always so disappointing. It is as disappointing as everyone says it is, even though you think no yeah. way it'll be disappointing. That was so cool. And you're right. like, oh, man, that took all the fun out of it. And it's like, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's work. And it's it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's actually boring. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, with with uh, I don't know, I think. I think it's because he's not turning to the camera and saying, I did a good job, didn't I? Like, you guys love this. He's he's re- reflecting on himself in the context or in the in the in the storytelling device of him talking to June about yeah. how well this adventure worked for him. Yeah. And I could totally get behind that. 
and it was it was definitely nice to read yeah. some of it yeah so i think th- i think that's where i'm at and honestly it'll be really fun it'll be, it'll be it's another thing to put on my uh like list of things to consider when i reread this eventually like every interaction that june had with the dm were was there because june with as much agency as he has we'll talk about that um he was taking the story off the rails by doing the reasonable things that he should be doing and there was no other way than fiat from the author saying, no, nah, man, you can't just have princes and vulnerability forever, mm. you know? Yeah. So I, I think I, I'm really looking forward to going back and reading the the DM conversations because it's going to be, you know, like I said, the, the, the exclusion is the one that came to mind, but it's like, it's so obvious why that had to happen. Yeah. Because everyone reading the book when June was getting this good, they're like, oh, he should do this. He should definitely, you know, use still magic on princes and vulnerability, et cetera. And it's like, of course he will. That's the only smart thing to do. Um, yeah. And then it's like, once he's done that, it's like, all right, well, do you guys want the book to suck? No. So I'm going to just step in as the author and say, no, that's so See, cool. <laughs> well, yes, that is cool. I, I think, I think that was planned from the beginning though, both the, the exclusion and uh, him being met by the author at that point. I mean, I think so, but like, I could yeah, be I'm, wrong. I'm not saying that like June surprised Alexander in, in so many words. I'm saying that, uh, well, I you know, think maybe from it, the drawing it, it, board, you know, this was all how it was going to happen, but it was still the progression of the story, right? Yeah. And it's like, what it, do we do when June gets to godhood prematurely? Well, we just we we knock him down, and we do it yeah. with the hand of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he definitely was. Um, I guess surprised would be the right term by Fen coming back at the end because it was just something he overlooked, and once he got there, he was like, oh. Obviously, this is what happened. Fuck. Now I got to just pants. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Sorry. Also, I've got to give you a high five and you used the word churlish earlier. Oh, okay. Why is that? It's just, that's a $5 word right there, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Hey, I, and only two syllables. There you go. That's some good dollar per syllable ratio. <laughs> I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, but he does say, then this is the thing I really liked, uh, to revel in the glory of our own creation anyhow, to make it matter. That's the whole point. And I do think that despite me not liking this chapter, the story does matter. It mattered a lot to me. It mattered even more to you, very obviously. And and that's great. I think we took different things from it. You know, I, I guess I'm not prepared to equate the quality of our experience reading this book. But uh, did I just hear you quietly seething with rage? I was expecting a fuck you. No, um, no, 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 not at all. I'll use the word qualia to point to, to annoy oh. you on purpose. Um, oh, oh, I missed quality. I thought you said quality. Oh, no. Yeah. Because see, they the mean almost the same thing. It's very easy to hear quality and just continue. You people should just use the word quality sometimes. I think like um, you know, like this this I, I since I'm not an artist, I don't write, I don't make stuff. Um, it's like if I go to a museum and look at paintings or whatever, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. But somebody who paints can look at that and be like, holy shit, that took talent, right? Mm. So you as an author can read this with that level of of analysis, whereas I'm just like, oh, this looks good. This is fun, right? <laughs> cool. So I, yeah, yeah maybe. I, you know, I had a question as, as far as like fourth wall stuff. Yeah. Did you, did the, because this isn't quite, never mind. I think I answered my own question. Um, I was going to ask, do you think the movie Deadpool worked as a movie? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah. And I think the reason that it worked in a way that it didn't hit the the failure mode that this this one uh that this story sort of did for you is that it was a fourth wall breaking movie the entire time and it wasn't trying right. to be serious yeah it was like right from the beginning there's like hey this is what this movie's about and you're like oh okay cool rock on okay yeah 
So if, if you know, if you'd been forthcoming from the beginning, well, no, because I, I liked I liked the mystery. I I feel like I if even if I didn't like the ending, like this this reveal, I'd rather not like it uh, than have it like told to me in advance. Yeah. Where like okay, well at least now I'm not like let down or whatever. Um, not you know I, I think I'd rather like it was worth the mystery even if it was a letdown for me it wasn't but I think it was worth it in that what, what do you think if you if you knew from the top that like this was Alexander's personal you know free therapy um, would you would that have uh, enhanced or reduced your experience of the book I mean I assume any serious work is the personal therapy of the person creating it <laughs> see that that's one of those authorial insights that uh, that I don't have yeah. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I also think fourth wall breaks just work so much better in comedic settings because those are already kind of goofy, unrealistic, not not quite taking the world completely seriously, right? Kind of things. I agree. I can't even think of a serious fourth wall breaker. Um, there was a movie starring, actually, it was a Sherlock movie starring Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven. Um, she played uh, a Nora. I forget her name. Uh, whatever Sherlock's younger sister, um, okay. Enola, and uh, I think anyway, um, Sherlock is played by Superman, and he's like barely in the movie because it's about her, and she will frequently talk to the camera, and it's kind of a comedy. I think okay. that's I, I guess it just occurred to me because I was trying to think of any like literally any not comedy that breaks the fourth wall. Then again, it's does. not that's not quite a fourth wall break in the sense that she's talking about how you know what the movie's budget is, right? Okay. Uh, that's that's totally a fourth wall break. Well, no, I, I think like talking to the camera is there's a difference between oh yeah think, yeah yeah no, that's re- a, like looking at it and breaking it. Yes, yes, yeah. that is yeah that is sometimes used in movies. Yeah, so like uh, in this movie, you know, she'll talk to the camera, but in Deadpool, he'll be like, it's almost like the studio couldn't afford another X Man, you know? Yeah, and yeah. like he'll he'll shit on the the work as the work that he's in, you know? Fight Club definitely had. At least one fourth wall break that I can think of right now could be more. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. I don't remember that. Like not just talking to the cameras, but literally fourth wall break. Hey, you're watching a movie right now kind of thing. Huh. Was was it hidden behind any sort of metaphor or art? Because that would explain why I don't remember this. He is explaining how uh, the the narrator is explaining uh, to, you know, us as the audience, how uh, movie projectors back in the day worked and they would... um, put the film in from one role as the other one was ending. So it was just a continuous uninterrupted stream. Oh. And all that's fine. Cause it's in, it's part of, you know, the movie Th- that is not the fourth wall break, but then Brad Pitt points to the top left, just as that cigarette burn that he talks about that marks the parts where the two films uh, connect shows up. I think that's a nod towards the fourth wall rather than, I mean, I, I, give, I, I, just, I don't know if this is a distinction worth hammering down, but I do remember that because it was pointed out on like on some picture I saw online. Um, hmm. But I thought that was kind of cool. And that's just like a fun little thing. Um, there was a movie. I forget which one. Doesn't matter. Point is, the, someone in the movie says like, we've got like 20 minutes left. And that's exactly how many minutes are left in the runtime of the movie. That is fantastic. But that's also not directly. That's not a break at all because they did have 20 minutes left. And the director is just fucking awesome, right? Right. I think what I, I think that this this Brad Pitt thing is a similar thing like that, though. No, yeah. he he was literally pointing at something that no one inside the movie could see or would know exists because they don't know they're in a movie. And when he does that point to the top left corner, right where the cigarette burn appears, that's a, you know, 
I am inside of a movie. My reality isn't really real because there's a hole in reality right there. Okay. And is this before it's revealed that he's uh, the brainchild of yes. the Hulk? So that that might be, dare I say, a clue that he was fake the whole time. Huh. Yeah. Everything's clues I mean, I all could... the way down, man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, shall we continue with our not clues or clues? Let's do it. So he he's I think this is after he's explaining like everything had meaning and stuff and he says he he seems to or June's thinking he seems to really mean it the jokingness was stripped away and there was something in his eyes an intensity and I, I like this because you know now I'm reading this with the with the glasses of you know way out there where I'm like okay so this is Alexander we and he's being fully upfront about it that he's narrating June's thoughts right mm-hmm. and so he's telling us that. The DM's jokingness was stripped away and there's something in his eyes. And I think it's like without him turning to the camera and saying, you know, hey, I really believe the above message. Um, mm-hmm. This is the only way he can do that. Right. Yeah. But I think he I don't know. To me, since he just did tell us I'm the author, Alexander Wales, talking to the audience, it's it's not it, it doesn't really the fig leaf isn't there anymore. It like because I just been knocked out of the story so hard or out of the world so hard to me it felt like basically the same thing as Alexander Wales saying oh by the way I'm talking to you right now dear reader I I see what you're saying I think what I'm what I was thinking though when I read that is like because why why would Alexander slash June emphasize the DM's uh, body language and yeah. I th- and I think it's there because like. I think he wants us to kind of look back at the things that he just said. No, man, like the emotions are real. That's what matters. And I think, I think he wants us to like actually really take that to heart. Like if, so if you, if you were knocked out of your shoes by the reveal and he's like, no, no, just, all right, then even without jumping back into the story, just like take that message home. I think that's what that intensity is conveying. I just liked that it, you know, for, for there to be described body posture in this was, uh, like after this reveal of just net, cause it is all at, it's all always deliberate when you're writing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but now it is like, you're, you're, you're shining a spotlight on it mm-hmm. because it's like, Hey, this is a story. You remember? So now what does this intense look mean? And so that was just my thought on it. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, he does say to June, and I think this one might be slightly out of order. And he said a little earlier, but, uh, he, he, with our current knowledge, I wanted to put it just a little bit later. He says, when I leave, I vow to leave for good, meaning Arab. And uh, if that's a true vow, I think it means that Alexander Wales is never going to write in the Worth the Candle universe again, and we will never get an Amaryllis arc. You know, that's possible. I didn't think about in the context of the Amaryllis arc. You know, if, if we squint, maybe he means that there will never be a sequel. The Amaryllis arc takes place before this conversation. Mm, okay that's true and i it think it might be cheating June. well mm, i i'm just saying so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying if alexander wales really is talking to us right now through the avatar of the dm and he's saying when i leave i vow to leave for good then i think him writing an amaryllis arc would be going back on that vow but also I hope he doesn't hear this because that, I think that might encourage him to not write the Amaryllis arc. And I would really love to hear it, read it. I'll, uh, you know, put that on my list of things to ask him about the Amaryllis arc. But uh, I, I did like, I think he says, and this world can keep on rolling or keep rolling on forever. 
And uh, my thought was like, yeah, okay, it means that he's not going to do any more explanation exploration of this world, which I think can be reasonably interpreted as future exploration of this world, not past. Um, you know, didn't he write like that, uh, that world document or something? That's, that's not running this. I don't know if he kept working on it after he finished this. Uh, but if he did, I wouldn't consider that simulating Arab. So you're right. That's, that's not story. That's just, uh, that's yeah. stuff anyway. But what he does say is the world can keep rolling on forever. And he's, to me, that sounds like he's saying, go, go forth and write fan fiction. Oh, hey, yeah, that'd be cool. So by all means, if someone wrote a fan fiction with parchment or, hmm. uh, I don't know, more long stairs stuff, um, yeah. you know, fires, fire teams coming from Earth. I'm trying to think of anything else, but I, my brain's doing it in like reverse chronological order. So anyway, if anyone wrote fan fiction of uh, June getting it on with Val, let me know about that. Right. If we get Amaryllis' cup size, it's not canonical, but we're all still curious. But yeah. but no, for real, actually, if there is good fanfic of this, let me know. Uh, point point a, uh, Shout it out in the Discord or comment it on the, uh, the website, which you can find in the show notes for this episode. Click there and drop a link. I liked this. Uh, June's like, okay, fine. I, I, well, I want to know the whys, if, you're, if you've just explained the, the how or the what. The DM says, not therapy for you, therapy for me. You're not the most important person in the world. I am. <laughs> And mm-hmm. first off, that made me laugh. And mm-hmm. I think I'm sure we brought it up at some point over the last like 200 hours of talking about this, that no doubt at least parts of this were Alexander working through some stuff. And uh, June asks, well, did it work? Alexander replies, more or less. I'd say it worked more than it didn't work. This was before I read. Well, I guess I just assumed before he confirms that he had his his own Arthur in his life. Um, yeah. I had assumed that was part of you know, one of the main things he's working through here. And just to hear that it helped some brought tears to my eyes. That was really, you know, awesome. Yeah. And I'm also very happy that it worked out. I'm glad that you're like able to enjoy and appreciate like the good things about a thing that you're not particularly enjoying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I do basically enjoy all of this and I was kicked out by, by the break, but I was able to get myself back into it. And, you know, on it's, it's just good when people, managed to make their lives better and feel better. And even if I hated it, I would be happy for him, you know? <laughs> well, that's that's commendable. And uh, I, I guess that's true too. But I guess I was just saying like, it's it's so easy for someone to come across, I don't know, like a genre of music or a movie, you know, type of movie thing where they're like, no, nah, I hate those. Oh, well, don't get me wrong. Anyone who's ever made reggaeton needs to be strung up. <laughs> <laughs> so By their ears because they don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Is that right off the cuff original? Yeah. That was fucking hilarious. Um, oh, oh, thanks. Because <laughs> they're clearly not using them. That's really funny. Um, the, what was I going to say? I don't know. So like sometimes if I can't, you know, like if I can't enjoy something that someone else is enjoying, like the way that they're enjoying it, I can enjoy at least their enjoyment, but I can also yeah. try and figure out what it is they're like about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, don't tell my wife but i'm like i'm not the biggest fan of bts right neither is she i'm being funny um <laughs> right but she's a fan and they're they're, they're talented they're cool you know i i, mm-hmm. I just don't really care like i, I don't dislike mm-hmm. the music I've, i'm completely ambivalent to it what i can appreciate is their music videos they all look like or they all perform like stunt doubles in movies nice and like it's actually them doing all these flips and shit like cool. they're choreographed like you know dead at like hardcore professionals so 
that's probably not the reason that's not the main reason that most people like them because they listen to the music and so like i get about as much fun watching it on mute but uh i can enjoy i can find something that I'm like oh that part's fucking dope right yeah i think that's an important life tactic if you can get away with it for most stuff there's usually something you can like yeah all right you know if nothing else that's a darn good reason that all hollywood actors should be attractive because even if you're watching a terrible movie you can be like well at least these are good looking people well that's uh that's that's one possible <laughs> i'm gonna just say that's wrong but <laughs> <laughs> okay no, well te- put I- <laughs> i'm teasing i see what you're saying like when all else fails you're at least looking at somebody pretty yeah yeah no I- i'm giving you a hard time all right yeah it's all good I- that was awesome all right <laughs> going on then um Okay, so yeah, he he tells us that he did have an Arthur in his life, and that's how all this started, when he started writing worlds for that Arthur to inhabit, and uh, and that's how the f- first primitive version of Arab started. And I, I just pulled that out because it explained a lot about Arthur uh, in this story. Like, it explained why he never had a game layer, because at the time, Alexander Wales was writing standard fantasy fiction, not lit RPG. And it explains why it had just the standard narratives because, again, it was written early in his life uh, before people start getting all experimental and weird and meta and are just doing this, you know, normal narratives first. And uh, it explains why he wouldn't stop because it was his friend that he was vicariously giving more life to. And, uh, and you know, in the meta story much later, it, it turns into a thing that Uther can never stop. But it, it makes a lot of sense out of a lot of the stuff that happened to him. And this, when you're saying the stuff that happened to him, this is true whether or not Alexander ever actually wrote a fan fiction, like wrote a draft fiction with Arthur, right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, in I the, think in the context of this story, you mean? Well, yes, but I think the context of this story is the fanfic or whatever it was that he actually wrote when he was a teen. Oh, did he say he actually wrote something? Well, so, oh yeah, he says that he had uh, created a primitive version of Arab. Okay. Yeah, and that he wrote his friend into it. See, I, I guess I, I took everything that the DM said here as true and true of Alexander. I guess for some reason that didn't quite register for me. I didn't put it in my mind that uh, he definitely wrote that. I guess I just assumed maybe maybe in his mind, but either way, it doesn't matter. Point is, I see what you're saying, and, and you, you put it really well. Um, yeah. And Somewhere then, out there, there's actual lots of Uther Chronicles, and we'll probably never read them because they're intensely private, but it's interesting and I think kind of awesome that they're there. I, I like the idea that they are out there somewhere in the world. They they might just be in his head, but it, it the fact that they exist in any substrate. Um, mm. And what what's kind of kind of cool, like the like, I mean, that, that's my version of articulating the nice way you just put it. Uh, kind of cool um, <laughs> that he's like, okay, I'm not getting closure this way. How do I do that? Right? Yeah. And that that's where this story came from. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's epic. Yeah. So the DM is talking about the passage of time and how, like, when you try to exploit something over and over, you don't get the same mental payoff. He says, it's the feeling that comes from indulging in nostalgia and having the memory crumple and the emotions fail to appear. The neurons don't fire and the brain chemicals don't get released. And I felt like I I was looking through my notes as I, so I did a control F for the word nostalgia. And the only thing that came up was Uther saying, I was embarrassed, yes. Ashamed, yes. And as soon as it was done, I wanted to put that particular bit of my life behind me. It was an une- it was an unseemly attempt to fill a void in my psyche to indulge in nostalgia. And 
what I liked about that was it, it was just like what made the nostalgia like Alexander here in the, you know, the feeling describing the feeling of nostalgia not working was exactly what Uther was trying to describe here. Yeah. And he's just like, yep, no, I was trying to do that, trying to do nostalgia and get like the, the actual payoff and I didn't, and I don't want to talk about it. It was bad. Um, yeah. I just thought that was kind of cool. That was a cool connection. Yeah. Sometimes that control left pays some big dividends. Ooh, I'm almost at the point where I get to control left through the entire story now. That's good. Nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess I will just harp one last time on this one thing where June is uh, commenting on what he thinks of all that the DM is saying. And he's like, I was still banking on hyper complex far future simulation, like writing off this uh, on a character in a story thing. <laughs> and and when he says that, I, I was just like thinking, is he though? Or are those words that Alexander Wales wrote because he wants us to think that he's actually modeling what a near Alexander Wales would think in the same situation? Because there is no June. He's not thinking anything. He literally cannot think. There is just this sentence that was written on paper. And uh, and that, you know, for for the good first two-thirds of this chapter, stuff like that kept surfacing for me. It's like, every time you say you're having a th- emotion or a thought or something, June, I just don't believe you because I was literally told just a little bit ago, you don't exist and you're a character and everything that ever existed of you is contained in 1.6 million words. Maybe what he is doing here, because it's funny, because earlier June wasn't buying the far future explanation. Mm. right mm-hmm. and now he's saying no i'm still banking on that maybe he's maybe this is alexander talking to to readers like you <laughs> no i mean it yeah because because june changed his mind on the simulation hypothesis here right it sounds like it yeah and so maybe he's just like you know look some of you guys like the simulation thing and just maybe, maybe you're still trying to hope for that one right like yeah and june is june is voicing and so he's not uh, Alexander isn't modeling what a near Alexander Wales would would think in the situation. He's modeling what a near you would think in the situation. Oh shit! He's always one level ahead of me. I think that might be what's happening. Oh, <laughs> huh. well, that, that that could be. That that would be pretty damn good. I mean, at at very least, you know, you got to respect the the skill. If you, if even if you don't like the the technique that was used there, it's like all right, well, that was badass, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he's modeling you. Okay, fine. I, I sure I. That would be really cool. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I do think that it's really kind of funny that I was talking earlier about how we could maybe simulate this entire thing that happened and whether that would be good or not. Funny thing is, if we do do a full simulation of Worth the Candle in the distant future on actual hypercomputers, then when June thinks this line as written, it will be technically correct, or he will be technically correct. (laughs) (laughs) And he'll be doing the thing of having justified true belief that is not actual knowledge, which I thought was kind of hilarious. I love that. And I've seen this tweet before that you linked to. It's somebody says that when I talk to philosophers on Zoom, my screen background is an exact replica of my, uh, my actual background just so I can trick them into thinking that they have a justified true belief that is not actually knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. So yeah, I I kind of think we should do that just for this. It would make that's it would, if if we simulated all the hell, all the torture, all the fell seed victims, it would be worth it for this joke. I totally agree. Okay, awesome. I'm just I'm glad we are on the same page there. We have struck an accord. <laughs> uh, when Arthur finds the meta stuff in his world, uh, they're they're talking about this now, and June says it wasn't pleasant for him, and the DM says, yeah, I know. Uh, more importantly, it wasn't pleasant for me either. And then June's like, why'd you do it? DM's like, ah, whatevs. And um, 
he says, like, in the end, I was just letting things run without direct involvement on my part. They were still real in his context. They happened, but they were less real for me. I had set up the long stairs as a way out for him. And when he went in that and and once he went in the first time, I knew he would eventually be back. When Vervain died, that was the last I really paid much attention to it. I knew the path Arthur would take. I wanted him to take it. So what I'm getting from all this is when he's saying, like, I just let it run without direct involvement. It was still real in his context, but it was less real for me. What I'm thinking is that, like, he just was like, you know what? Sure, Arab has a long stairs and Arthur's going to find it. And that's that's what I'm going to go with. And when he says, like, the last thing that I paid attention to was Vervain dying... I think that means that literally the last thing Alexander Wales wrote in his teenage years when he was writing the Uther stories was Uther confronting Vervain and then killing him. And uh, with that being the last thing he wrote, it's no wonder that Vervain was so sad in that last scene because he's he's talking to Uther for the last time and he knows that it's it's done now and there's no more left for him to do. Damn, that's a good take. There, there's a couple other things I want to grab from that before I forget. One is that uh, he mentioned that he only like piloted Vervain sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that'd be like, okay, I, I made my wise old wizard, but I want, I kind of want the story to go this way, but I want it to like actually go that way, not just like be shoved that way. So I'm going to have my wise old wizard know something he shouldn't know. Right. Yeah. So that, that's awesome. But the other thing was that why would, why would Arthur notice the meta stuff? It's because it's because Alexander's Arthur was too smart not to notice that something was was weird about his universe, you know? Yeah. And so I think this this actually is maybe the there's this whole thing has been a good time to ask about this. Like, you know, you're the author, right? Um, I, I've authored some things before, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that you're you are literally an author. Uh, OK, like. I put this comment down there, down further where you're, uh, where the DM says, of course you are your own person. He paused as if thinking about whether what he just said was true. Uh, mm-hmm. And so related to that and to, you know, Arthur noticing the meta stuff and all that, like the way that I imagine creating characters is like, you can ask yourself, what would, what would this character do? Yeah. And you get like an actual answer. Yeah. Right. They, 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 of course they exist in your mind as a model of a person, but they have a, a personality that is distinct from your own, even though it's, yeah. even though it comes from you. Right. It's like asking what would Captain Picard do or what would Steven do? Or, you know, what would my mom do in this situation? Exactly. Okay, perfect. So that's, that's what I was thinking. So I guess I, you know, looking back at how Arthur in the pre June era and then June in this whole book, you know, when June does things and then the DM has to step in and, and you know, intervene or, or do something um, or even just like whatever. Then Larkspur appeared, you know, like that is also the DM stepping in and making that happen. Um, but it's, you know, I, I can sort of just imagine and this, this is why I wanted to ask, you know, if this is at all how it can work. You you sit there and you've kind of got like the idea for what you want to happen. And then you, you just like imagine your character running through the the scene. Does that does that ever happen in part, as part of the creative process? Because I think the hard part is probably like whatever <laughs> drawing the rest of the fucking owl, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. And uh, authors often talk about times when their characters surprise them with something they do because 
sometimes, you know, if you really get into character, you're kind of modeling them subconsciously. And then you're like, oh, oh, shit, I guess that would happen. Because like, uh, like when Alexander Wales later says uh, that uh, um, 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 Amaryllis would obviously put Fen back in, which was not something he'd planned for before. But when he got to that point, he was like, this would be so not true to her character if I didn't do it, that it just has to happen. Right. So um, I love that explanation. Yeah. So basically, yes, things like that can happen. Um, my my last chapter of What Lies Dreaming, I'm not happy with because it has a happier ending than I wanted. Um, the thing is, since you are literally a god and you can change everything, if you want something to go a certain way enough, you can rewrite the rest of the world. You can change the situation that the character is in so that they do end up doing what you wanted. But sometimes it takes massive amounts of work like you have to overhaul huge things and at some point you start to think why am i changing all this about the world just to force a character to do the certain thing i don't know it's it's kind of squirrely ultimately you do have the ultimate power because even if your character would never ever do something in this situation you have the power to change the situation it might just take a lot of work to do it um and then you've got to ask is it like worth the trouble or do you just say you know what i'm going to invent a thing called exclusions where like <laughs> right. I, I don't want to rewrite the world where skin magic didn't exist, even if skin magic's going to ruin the story. So I'm gonna just write it out of the story halfway through. Yeah. And he already had exclusions in the story. Right. I, I loved that. And that was such a so, you know, because what less dreaming doesn't have exclusions, you couldn't quite do the exact same trick. Um, but this this was a fun way to let, you know, the that meta awareness whatever kind of creep in, right? Yeah. Awesome. I do think I'm going to go back and rewrite that last chapter at some point. Well, the, I've, got, um, I've got the OG edition. Oh, damn. All right. That's fair. I'll let you buy I it back up. for, let's see, five times the cover cost. You're trying to burn all the old <laughs> copies. <laughs> no, I, I will let them stay out there. Eventually, they'll disintegrate due to age, right? They'll be collector's editions. Oh, God. You know, it. like a, like first editions of uh, whatever, any scientific work, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Anyways, moving back to here, um, Alexander Wales is saying that your placement on Arab was a way for me to more directly deal with some of my problems and to relive a period of my life that had already passed. I didn't need to do the growing that you needed to do, but the reflection on those times and their emotional truths, it was helpful, I think. Uh, I guess it makes sense that, you know, Alexander Wales being like twice June's age, he didn't have to get over the, the death of of his friend from 17 years ago. Uh, he had other things that he was working through instead. And I'm just really curious as to what problems he needed to work through in, in this, uh, in this work. And I, I don't know. I almost think that like, if we really went back and really dug into things, we might be able to figure out some stuff. But then on the other hand, when he said Folliter was, you know, when he was betrayed by, by a friend or someone and then couldn't trust anyone for a long time, I was like, I don't think I ever would have gotten that. So maybe, maybe this is just something we will never quite be able to do. He did say your entire group was made to evoke certain feelings in me. So maybe the key is in the, uh, in the companions. And if we were to really look into them, we could find something again. I don't might be too stalkery creepy. I don't actually want to do this sort of thing, but maybe the whole therapy for Amy idea that I kept pushing has some legs as well. I can dig it. I mean, we, you know, we, we talked about the companions as obviously being parts of June and now it's even clearer and awesome. And I hadn't quite, you know, so again, this can be part of the reread is like, 
that hadn't quite clicked as to what exactly how exactly related to it. And like, Oh, of course they're all, they're all things for, for Alexander, you know, I'm with you. Like he, he talks about how, uh, metaphorically he slayed a Momrath after college. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm really curious what that metaphor was, but I sure yeah. as fuck, I'm not going to ask. Right. Right. I, yeah. I'm never going to ask any of these details. This is all, you know, that there's a reason we got this version of, of events and not the real one. You know, I'm, that, 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 that's his private stuff. Um, exactly. But it it does, uh, you know, it, it just does kind of make me wonder, you know, when he was creating Momrath, I'm like, you know, I sure hope there was something epic that happened. But then again, <laughs> I'm, well, because Momrath was purely a victory. Maybe it was awesome. I, that's yeah. going to be my headcanon. Something, something that level of awesome happened to Alexander after, around college. Fucking awesome. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, the really cool thing is, like, the only people who will ever really know are, like, his very close friends and family, lovers, that kind of thing. And that's that's a very special thing that they will have. And that's really fucking awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, and, you know, that's that's just life and privacy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. June does ask, all those adventures, did they have some literal or metaphorical revelen- rev- relevance? And uh, the DM says, it wasn't that many, but yes, they did. And that got me thinking, maybe that's why... I mean, the tutorial over thing probably had many different things it meant, but maybe that also meant, you know, this was me setting up the world and getting everyone involved in it. And now that the tutorial's over, this is when the therapy actually begins for me and things start becoming metaphors for my life. Oh, damn. You're right. Like nothing therapeutic happens to him before the end of book one. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but we're before the, yeah, yeah. Tutorial was end of book one. Yeah. Because that I think it ends when they teleport to uh, Baron Jewel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... There was zero personal growth before that. He was yeah. just still getting a sea legs. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. I can dig it. <laughs> cool. Cool. Oh, <laughs> this was a great line. Uh, when June asks what happened to <laughs> to Arthur, uh, the DM's like, you know, I'm not going to go into detail, but they gave him some amnesiacs. Am- what is that word? Amnesiastetics? Am- amnes- amnestics? I've never. that. I've never. Yeah, this is a new one. For, I mean, I know what it means because I know the word. Yeah. Parts. Yeah, I think it's a made-up word. Uh, it's not getting a red squiggle for me. Although when I define Ooh, it, nothing happens. So, yeah, shrug. All right. Anyway. Anyways, they gave him some things that wipe his memory. Uh, and when he died in Kansas, they were right there waiting with the uh, new June that just, or the new Arthur that just came out of the long stairs, switched him with the, the body, and he gets to continue having a normal life like uh, that, like he recovered from the accident. And June says that that's time travel. Because, you know, June <laughs> came to Arab after several months after he died. And uh, the author says, I'm a fucking god, Juniper. I do whatever the <laughs> fuck I want. <laughs> authorial fiat, motherfucker. Juniper struggles with what all powerful means. <laughs> I know, right? And I, I loved that this is, you know, canonically and head canonically what happened to Arthur. Yeah. You know, he, he got what he wanted. He, he got... Some of the wisdom, you know, this this epic fever dream of Arab, and then he got to go on and have his life, you know? Yeah. Awesome. It is fucking perfect, yeah. Uh, the DM does talk about, June's like, but you don't have any other ideas of what might happen? He's like, yeah, I had these other ideas, maybe an undercover operative, and then she falls in love with him, and, uh, and he continues for a bit, and June's like, oh, holy shit. He's got this horrified look on his face, and he's like, you see why I'm not doing it, right? It's like, yeah, because he could just keep being in Arthur's life forever and 
never let him escape the narrative, even up on Earth. So uh, that's that's great. Uh, I'm glad that he is not continuing that on. Well, and the DM can't just like write a story where Arthur goes to school and, you know, studies for an exam and takes his driver's test and all this stuff, you know, like, no, he's like, no, I got to make a story. And mm-hmm. so he's like, no, I don't want him to have a story. I want him to just have a life. Yeah. So that's why I'm taking my hands off the wheel here. No, I love it. All right. Yeah, yeah. it's good. So now we get on to the fun, awesome rest of the chapter where he takes him to a tavern where the uh, juniper <laughs> that got uh, that got transported to the B-side when juniper uh, got. What was the term? Uh, how did I just blank on it? Um, I know. Hold on. Don't tell me. I know this one. Uh, dreams. Dream skewered. Yes, when thank you. When June got dream skewered into the world, this other June got put uh, on the other side, uh, which he says could have been should have been called the B side. And he had these all these adventures, and June was supposed to run into him, but he never got around to writing that into the story. And I'm just <laughs> like, I am in fucking awe of Alexander Wales because he has constantly all these ideas just churning in his head, all these things that could be happening, worlds, and like he he didn't have the time and the energy to write all this other stuff on the B side, but he had the ideas there. And I just, I'm legit intimidated by him. He's got to have just an off the charts IQ to always have all this stuff going on. And I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I agree. It's awesome. I not to try to knock him off a pedestal, but he didn't actually include this part. You know, <laughs> may, maybe because it was too hard. Well, now, it, now it I doubt that's why. I think it was probably <laughs> yeah. economy of of word count. But um, I'm just saying, like, if somebody's like, "Oh, I had this really, really smart idea," and it's like, "Okay, mm. I believe you." Um, yeah. No, I'm well, just considering, teasing. Yeah. <laughs> considering how well he delivered on everything he did right. I'm sure he could have pulled it off. Oh, 100. percent. No, I, I fully yeah. believe that this was uh, like when we went to him. You know. At first, I was wondering, like, why are we seeing this guy? You know, okay, cool. That's a fun little fact about the Dream Skewered, but I'm still in my super meta chair, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but I'm like, oh, no, we're seeing him because he's saying, this was a cool idea I had, guys. We're seeing yeah. him for the same reason that he explained the, the Loch Ness joke. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's fantastic. I also really enjoyed it because it helped me ease back into being in the world rather than being talking to Alexander Wales. And that was important for me. I think that might like, have been part of the purpose of the scene change and stuff, too. Yeah, because he could have just told so. him this, mm-hmm. but no, he took him to a place. There's a scene you get to see stuff. Yeah, he's like, guess how many he slept with? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> he's all giddy about it. It was fantastic. See, June, this guy harems, <laughs> right? You, you're he sitting there wringing your hands about this harem you've worried about, and you're you're sleeping with one person, June. One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy, this guy knows where it's at. Right. That's what an actual harem is. B-side June gets it on. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he does say, the the DM, there were things you needed to learn about how you view and deal with women. I don't think we got it all out of your system, but I did put in some effort, and obviously much of it was for my benefit as well, to help me learn, grow, and process. And again, I just pulled that out because I am happy for him, and I hope it helped, and I know it did. Plus, he said it did, so this is great. Seconded. So, here is another existential quandary. Uh, June is taught about the thespian, and he says, I don't want you to erase real people, but is it possible that you could uh, make it so the hells don't exist? And he's like, no, of course not. He's like, okay, the thespian, the actor. Could you make it so he was playing the parts of everyone in the hells? And like, June, I'm not sure how to break this to you, buddy, 
but you would literally be erasing the real people that exist in the hells if you did that. And honestly, I think that's probably a good idea because it's better to have not existed than to have existed in hell. But uh, you are asking the DM to erase real people and replace them with the thespian. So just like June failed to understand what it means to be a fucking god uh, with the Mm -hmm. time travel, I think you're you're not seeing this from the stupid omnipowerful level or the stupidly omnipowerful level of this this godhood. Right. They actually were thespians all the time from the very beginning. Exactly. So yeah, they, he's, but, not, he's not erasing anything. They just always were. And so from, I, I tossed the idea out there when they were leaving uh-huh. hell. I'm like, you know, it sucks that they were all real. Maybe it was just June and his friends. And you were like, no way, that's dumb. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's probably not true. Um, but I was still trying to hold on to the hope that the hells weren't really full of torture because that's because we talked about it. It's like, why would they be there for motivation? They don't need to yeah. actually have real torture in them to be motivating, right? June just so, needs to believe that they are. And that was the case the whole time. <laughs> it was. The thing is, I if I hadn't literally thought when I read the Hell Arc that, that you know, just before the Hell Arc, maybe they're P-Zombies. And once we got to the Hell Arc, oh, okay, they must not be. I, I, I did think to myself, there's no way that it's the people who aren't June and his friends that are P-Zombies and only June and friends are exception, because that would be fucking dumb. (laughs) And then, you know, when I was rereading this with you, I knew that was the case, but also was like, well, if I'm playing the part of the me who hasn't read this to not spoil things for Steven, I have to say what I thought at the time and and what I would have said. So that's what I did. Oh, 100%. Also, this is worth pointing out before I forget. Like, I don't think, other than like when times when I asked you, what was your thought at the time? You never, like impromptu started a started a sentence that way mm. because if you did it'll always be a clue right right well when i first read this i thought whatever and i, I remember doing that several times with brian and i i think that i maybe didn't need to every time i did that although it might have been when he asked me questions um but in any case yeah you i think playing it with your initial reaction was the was the right call okay because uh, because you had to either stick to the bit you either had to like do a constant poker face which would have been boring right yeah or you're yeah. just like, nope, I'm going to just give my my initial thing, and that'll be my my continued character through the whole show. And, I mean, I was just doing that because it was more fun for me, too. Good. I, I, yeah. But like you said, constant poker face would have been boring. Oh, it would have been super boring for, for you, for, uh, you know, me, the listeners. But also, like, it, you wanted to share what it was like to, to like for you to enjoy this stuff. So, no, I'm super into it. Um, yeah. But I do think that even though, yeah, we know that they were never any real people in the hells from the very beginning, that uh, June is still asking for that. Like he, I guess he doesn't buy it or whatever. So he is asking him to erase real people from his point of view, right? June doesn't quite know godhood yet either. Okay. Yeah. Because June's not going to, June's going to have all the power to do whatever he wants in the universe, but he's not going to be Alexander Wales, right? Yeah. So yeah. if he's if he's going to change the history of air he's going to do it within the constraints of how he knows how to do it because he can't hit the delete key right right yeah so yeah yeah, that works and and also i am absolutely positive that alexander wales knew from page one that this was going to be a thing that uh june asked at the end i i agree so (laughs) here's the thing uh yeah i pulled this out from the discord which was about halfway through the the novel i think uh where someone said if a bingo board is ever created for not everything is a clue episodes there needs to be a square saying inyash claims things don't matter whenever you can go back in time (laughs) and i kept it and i held on to it for months for this very occasion because when june asks him to do that the dm says sure done 
No one in the house was ever real except for the people involved in rescuing you from it. Uh, and so at this point, I think we can both agree that no one in the hells was ever real and none of that happened, right? Yeah, totally. So if you can rewind time as the DM can, then the things that didn't happen don't matter because they didn't happen. Those people in the hells never were tortured. So that's, I mean, just to stick to my guns and keep this debate alive. Uh, that's not what happened here, though. I, I made a little shitty meme from of like those the astronaut shooting another astronaut, um, mm-hmm. and I just put like some flames in front of the first one, and it says they've been turned into pea zombies, and the other one with the gun just says always has been. Right. So they haven't been erased and turned into pea zombies, Enosh. Nothing was ever undone or changed. They just always were pea zombies. That's literally how time travel works. It just happens that that's the way it always was. After all. Uh, That's the whole point of time travel. Well, only like, only, we only, only to keep disagreeing. Uh, like there, there's a a version of like all right. So Back to the Future Part Two. Hmm. Biff 1985 gets the sports almanac and becomes Donald Trump. And uh, the 1985 that Marty and Doc go back to isn't the the one that they remembered, right? Yes. And so, from in a real way. There were two timelines, even though there's time travel involved, right? It always was another way in one or for three subjective points of view. Doc, uh, Marty, and the dog. Um, So uh, (laughs) I love that you included the dog. That doc does too. He says for you, me, and Einstein. And I remember as a kid, like I was like, wait, why would he say Einstein there? Oh, right, his dog. Um, Oh, cool. So, uh, but this this is different, you know. Like there's. There is something, I think, qualitatively different, you know, like when Amaryllis is being um, whatever revision mage tortured, mm-hmm. you know, if they had never, if they'd actually never tortured her, that is different than torturing her over and over and rewinding the work, especially because the time travel is localized, maybe. But that's a wrinkle that we don't need to get into. The only thing that's even remotely different is that they have memories of her being tortured and June has memories of people in hell being tortured. <laughs> June has memories of seeing actors in hell pretending to be tortured. <laughs> uh, no, no, he has memories of people in hell being tortured, and it you know turns out that when you're the D, when you're an author, you can rewind time and make it so that's not how it happened. But uh, that's that's why I keep having this issue that um, that's that's literally time travel. You make it so it happened a different way from the very beginning, and maybe one or two people who have incorrect memories remember things not the way they happened they have a wrong hallucination memory but that's not how it happened we, we could hammer this point home but you know when i first read these chapters i was like man dude you know we could have done a couple more i was even going to text you but i was like no he knows what he's doing and look at that we haven't finished chapter one and we're, we just passed the two hour mark so yeah i, I well i'll I'll have to let the debate sit for now but i uh i i can i understand where you're coming from I just want to say right now to everybody on the Discord, either you have to agree with me that things don't matter when you can literally change the past, uh, or you have to swallow that people actually were tortured in the hells, and that this cop-out at the end of, oh yeah, there are P-Zombies the whole time, doesn't work, because uh, because the past still matters even after it's changed. Ah. I look forward to the debate. Okay. Um, oh yeah, this was... This was 
The uh, one of the other interesting things we found out that was not in the original outline was that originally uh, Alexander Wales had planned to have Fen die when she got cut in half in the Larkspur fight in the forest with the helicopter. Uh, but then June came up with the transfusion idea, and he was like, "Oh, okay, well, sure, let's let's go with that." Uh, I think that's an interesting thing to know because the story would have been drastically different if she had died there, because her her death right there. I mean, it would have sucked, but it wouldn't have been nearly as devastating. They didn't have, you know, that deep history yet. And I, I kind of want to read everything after the Larkspur fight again and find out what would have been different. Like his relationship with Amaryllis would have started much sooner and would have had more ramifications for the story. Uh, I It would have been, it, it would have never been Amy and Fen bonding in the uh, time chamber while she was pregnant with uh, Solace again, it would have been with June instead. Like there's, there's just so many things that would have been different. I wonder if June would have like slept with Val or something. I don't know. I, I got a, I got a thing for Val. So never mind. I was going to say but, you're uh, just desperate for that to happen, but I, I understand. Uh, yeah. So I, that is interesting. It's, it's thought provoking. Cause I wonder uh, like that was before um, soul magic and everything, you know? Yeah. So Amaryllis wouldn't have, wouldn't have had to turn her feelings off. We would never would have had that debate. Um, right. Yeah. That, that would have, uh, that would have been huge. So mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, her death hit a lot harder later too. Yeah. So now I can totally dig it. Well, uh, the, we already talked about the thing where, uh, Fen wasn't supposed to come back, but then Amaryllis wouldn't not bring her back. He realized, uh, and that is why Arthur in the long stairs, this jumped out at me the second on my reread. Uh, cause you know, I didn't know any of this stuff. My first read. It really jumped out at me. Arthur kept saying, you don't make sense to Fen. Everyone here is a <laughs> temptation to me. What What are you here for? She was never supposed to be here because she wasn't in the original plan. That's why she wasn't one of his temptations. She had to be shoehorned in in the narrative. And that's pretty cool. I fucking love that. I don't know if I would have caught that on my third re- reread because it's from that one line where he says, you know, she wasn't supposed to come back, but Amaryllis brought her back. And uh, <laughs> you're right. Arthur, he's like, everything else makes sense. You, though. Her not making sense was a clue, Inyash. Mm-hmm. I guess it was. Everything. Everything was. Almost everything. Basically everything but in the story. Not quite everything, though. Well, I mean, maybe this next thing isn't a clue. You tell me. <laughs> the next thing where Fen says she's going to bang her clone? Yep. Yeah, that was fantastic. I love Fen. And then uh, it turns out she's banging the narrator. And and June's like, but we broke up. And she's like, yeah, that's why I was free to date other people. <laughs> she's like, but he's me. <laughs> it was so great. I uh, that that scene was fun. She was funny, and it was also nice. Like she was like, hey, I was the only person to get to heaven. Yeah. That, that was just kind of nice to hear. Uh, you know that in the background she was actually just eating popcorn and banging this nicer juniper. You know. Mm-hmm. and there was even like a, like a little thing where she's like eating cheetos she's like look my fingers aren't even sticky like mm-hmm. her heaven is exactly what she wanted it to be it's awesome i love it i think fence heaven is one of the best heavens it's i mean it's up there yeah uh i'm gonna pull this real quick from uh our last episode i think maybe the episode before that uh amy is arguing with uther and she says juniper argues in favor of narrative but the type of narrative he argues in favor of is collaborative that is of a dungeon master and his players this means that the dungeon master is yes in charge of the narrative has full knowledge of almost everything the players do is able to retroactively insert things etc uh there are fundamental differences from traditional narratives though 
because you know it's a collaborative thing. And I thought it was really interesting. Again, this occurred to me on my read through since now I knew what was coming up. I thought it was interesting that she was wrong when she was making this argument. Uh, they were in a single author narrative the whole time. Was that what she was? I don't know if that actually makes her argument wrong because I, I don't think she was ever taking a stance that they that June and Arthur had different DMs. No, no. I think what she was saying is that uh, June says that this is a tabletop role-playing game, basically, where a dungeon master and players work together to create a story, and uh, that's not the case. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, if we we take the idea that the characters are kind of their own semi-sentient people inside your own head, this could, if you squint, still be true, but you're right. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's that big a deal that she was wrong. Obviously, she, you know, isn't all knowledgeable. I just thought it was an interesting wrinkle. No, and that's a cool catch. I like it. Hmm. All right. And finally, we get to the very end. He gets handed literal keys. Yes, which was awesome. Because you also used the phrase, handed the keys to to the car uh, last last episode. Oh, I yeah, you're right. Uh, when I listened to that and I heard that and I was like, God, they, that landed. That was perfect. I think that he had said, that they'd used the word keys for it before, though. Uh, that could be. I, I mean, it, either that or it's a remarkable coincidence, but I'm pretty sure that he had said he's going to give me the keys to the pilot seat. Or maybe that's how we talked about it. But anyway, yeah, it was great. But uh, the last line here is, then all at once I had the power and got started on making a better world. And then we get at the end. Uh, so in my opinion, epilogues are supposed to be like sort of an, I don't want to say an optional extra, but but they're not really part of the main story and i think i may be a little weird that way because not everyone thinks that like a lot of people consider the epilogue part of the full narrative but like then why the fuck do they come after the end right um and also like the epilogues and word the candle are legit long enough to almost be another novel in themselves but all that being said if this were to end right here with this one last line and then the end how does this ending feel to you if that this was the end forever and there was nothing else after it it would have been sufficient um i would have tried to use my imagination to think of like something you know how he would have started to make the world better and i never would have come up with anything close to what he does when he ends the world um but i mean we got the emotional climax and we got the uh the explanation for what the fuck was going on the whole time so i think like you know the the explanation was the dessert to the well-rounded meal for like the whole rest of the story. And epilogues are just icing on the cake. Nice. But yeah, if this had been the end, I would have been, would have been good with it. I sat and I just thought with it for a while, the first time I read it. And I, I think it is an ending that I like. It is very open and very ambiguous and just leaves a lot of power with the reader to start thinking whatever they want and feeling what they want and just letting it grow within them. So I really like that as an ending. Uh, it also, but it also feels very wrenching. Like we're just right at the cusp of something new and beautiful and huge. And, and now we're not going to see it because the credits have rolled. And uh, it was, it was a very, very bittersweet kind of thing for me. It was both beautiful and not enough. And, you know, I knew there were epilogues coming because he'd already said that epilogues are going to be coming. Uh, so don't freak out y'all. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm really glad we got the epilogues. I think they add a lot to it, but, um, I'm also, you know, I, I think this would have worked on its own as well. I I wonder, like, where, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously curious where the epilogues will end and how they'll leave us emotionally and stuff. But, you know, I, I suspect that 
you know, I'll always be left wanting more, you know, hmm. like, so I, unless they somehow manage to like make me actually feel satiated of Arab and, and June and, and all the rest. Um, no, I think that I'm trying to think of like a movies don't really have epilogues, you know, like they have sequels. Yeah. You know, the Lord of the Rings took an hour to end. Um, <laughs> right. But like, I don't know, like those, those were kind of epilogues maybe, you know, like what happens to Frodo? What happens to, uh, Bilbo, yada, yada, right? I mean, I agree with you, but I also think if there's one person you shouldn't underestimate in his ability to make the audience feel exactly how he wants them to feel, it's Alexander Wales. Well, I... And so if he wants to make an audience feel satisfied with something and at peace, I would trust him to do it more than anyone else. I think that's a good point. This definitely isn't going to end like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, like where it's like, okay, holy shit, like... I, I was done 30 minutes ago. I'm definitely not going to feel that way. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can dig it. Although, you know, to be fair, I, there was that part earlier in this chapter that really didn't hit for me. So even the awesomest people can sometimes miss for individual people that suck like me. I, you know, I, I get you're just trying to be nice to the author and stuff, but don't put yourself down. You know, that that's your feeling and your take on it. That's perfectly legitimate. Uh, you know, I think I think what you did say was the highest praise, though, is that this is the best you've ever seen this done. It's just not your thing. Yeah, and I don't think that anyone could take that personally, you know. Yeah, um, and I want to say like the best I've ever seen it done in a serious work at any rate, because like I said, with comedy you can get away with a lot because it doesn't matter. Sure, yeah. Deadpool isn't trying to you know like if you if you feel something in Deadpool, it's kind of like an accident, and you know, <laughs> it it was there on yeah. purpose, but it the you know the whole time I don't know. It's like if if the if the CGI failed and you see the green screen, you know, like it it's that's just i don't know that's a whole thing it's a different it's a whole different genre yeah real quick before we do the end of the world can i go to the end of the bathroom to empty my bladder you know i i have a suggestion Hmm. do you maybe want to do the end of the world on thursday end of the world on thursday i could do the end of the world on thursday yeah i you know because i i it's already 8 40 yeah we usually are done in the next 20 minutes and yeah yeah, and while we could while we could totally speed run this, um, and I'm prepared to, uh, it occurs to me, hey, why don't we give it an extra? You know, we'll we'll take an hour for it on Thursday or something, and then people Gosh. people can will release them like a day apart, maybe. That's yeah, I like this idea. Okay, cool. It seems right, well, like we, we, if we were clever and had planned this, we could we could have said something along the lines of like, you know, the epilogue is coming, right, of the show. Uh, yeah oh because we're we're leaving it a chapter early and that's just how stories end something something but this all just kind of came together by accident so yeah well that is the end of worth the candle and the end of this episode um and this podcast come back next week for not everything is an epilogue (laughs) (laughs) okay i love it that sounds great to me um and uh yes like you said um once again uh remember to check out our patreon if you'd like Check out Alexander Wales. Uh, do buy his books. Hit me up to buy his books. If you want, you're welcome to check and see if they're actually available in your country first. Um, sorry uh, uh, that that it wasn't for um, Sone. Sonoy. 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 I don't feel the least bit slighted about it. If you don't, just, you know, to me, it's just more funny. But anyway, and a big shout out to Alexander Wales. This is, this was quite the work and a great time going through it so hell yeah that's all i got all right i'll see you in a few days we'll see everybody else in 24 hours sounds good